on today's episode of Locked On Canucks. Now that Besser's deal is done, what will the deal look like? Another day, another pretty look at it, who the Canucks may take with the 15th overall selection. And the schedule has been released. It's Lux and it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday, July the 5th edition of Don Canucks. I'm your host, Justin Pooney. You can follow Twitter at our process sports, our show Twitter at Locked On Canucks. And please also like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, I want to be Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day, free for wherever you get your podcast services. As I mentioned in the going to look at, now that Brock three-year deal, what will Bo Horvat's contract look like? With Sweden to take a look at a prospect that the Canucks could take with the election. And, and preseason schedule has been announced. But first, I wanted to talk about uh, the Canucks coaching staff that were, uh, over the weekend. I did not mention them in yesterday's episode. So I wanted to touch into that. So Canucks added you know, pieces to their coaching staff. Veteran head coach Mike Yo, uh, former Abbotsford Canucks bench boss Trent Cull, to their coaching staff. This was on Friday. They will join Bruce Boudreaux. Also, Jeremy Carlton uh, was hired by the Abbotsford Canucks to be their head coach. Uh, Brad Shaw, former assistant coach for the defenseman, is now on his way to Philadelphia to rejoin himself with his friend John Tortorella. Um, it is an interesting group. Um, Boudreaux talked about on Friday. He's excited to have this group of coaches here. Um, you know, he talked to Mike Yo, talked to Patrick, said it would be very uh, beneficial for all these uh, new pieces to come in. Now, Yo, of course, has experience being a head coach. He was the head coach on interbase with the Flyers for parts of 2021-22. He also spent time behind the bench for the Wild and the St. Louis Blues. He was also a Stanley Cup winner as an assistant head coach with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, back in 2009. So a lot of experience with Mike Yo, And I think it's critical and it's a pattern what we're seeing what the Canucks are doing with their front office staff and now their coaching staff. Putting people of experience and smart hockey minds in the building. And you can never have enough smart hockey minds, enough smart people in the building because it's just going to enhance your ability to be better. I was listening to uh, in an interview Mike Gillis did last week on a podcast talking about how during his time, they wanted to never leave a stone unturned and always make the players feel that they were doing their best to make sure that they could be their best version of themselves. And I'm getting those same vibes from this Canucks organization, this Canucks brass, because they're spending money and investing in people who are smart hockey minds, who have been around the block, who know how to build and come from winning cultures. Mike Yo in Pittsburgh has won a cup. He knows what that takes. Um, Jeremy Carlton, although he hasn't had, uh, wasn't a great Stanley, uh, great head coach. He has experience behind a bench working with superstars, uh, superstar players. Um, Trent Cull, you know, worked with the Canucks. Uh, Dale Talon, of course, built uh, a very successful team in Florida and a Stanley Cup champion in Chicago. 
Um, so I love what they're doing and bringing smart people. Now, when you look at Trenkel, he's been in the organization for five years. He led Abbotsford last year to a 39-23-5-1 record and appearance in the Calder Cup playoffs. A first year in Abbotsford, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, so I'm very happy um, what the Canucks have done with their coaching staff and building it up and figuring out how to get smart people in the room, build up their brass, and it probably moves Jason King, who is the least seasoned assistant coach, up to the, the press box. But um, it's very important. And, you know, Ryan Johnson said, you know, now assistant GM said, you know, Trent Cole did an amazing job in the AHL and deserved a promotion. Um, and I think it's just very important that they've done it. I've always talked about foundation and um, building a, the correct foundation. And we're seeing the foundation being laid in Vancouver now. I know many people might not think these moves are sexy or appealing, but bringing in uh, veteran coaching staff, and I know the rumors out there that, oh, the Canucks brought in, you know, Boudreaux's replacement. I don't think that's the case. I think these guys are just bringing smart people in and, you know, trying to make this organization uh, proceed forward. And I love that. And that is what I take away from this is that, this organization now is run by people that know what they're doing. And they're putting people in place that have been around the block, understand what it takes to work with, you know, high-end talent players, and will, you know, put the team in the successful position to be successful. So uh, I just want to touch on the coaching staff changes because uh, I think that was, again, another shrewd move by uh, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford and this organization, uh, just further enhancing the the changes to this organization uh, this offseason. Now, the biggest change this offseason that we're, or Dahmer that we're waiting for to fall um, is a JT Miller trade. But um, reports indicate today that the Canucks and Miller are trying to have a one last ditch dance effort to get a contract done. And people may be like, well, why are you just focusing on a trade? Try to trade him, try to trade him. Well, yes, the trade market is still there. But from all indications, is the Canucks are not going to trade JT Miller unless they get a deal that knocks their socks off because they still have ability to recoup assets at the deadline as well. The Canucks are in a prime position right now to capitalize on a player who has a very, very friendly contract coming off a 99-point season, and we've heard the litany of teams, especially in the Eastern Conference, that want to get him. So the Canucks have a market for him. They can get the best deal they want from him, but why are they reworking on an extension or a one last ditch? Maybe it's just to see, you know, if they can get one done, but also for the morale of the players in the locker room. It is very hard to trade a guy who scored 99 points last year, who has been your best player, quite frankly, over the last few years. It's hard to remove that big of a piece from the locker room, especially with a team and a core that's trying to make the playoffs again and become relevant. It, it hurts the psyche of players. Um, you know, you see it in the NBA and the NFL when a big piece gets moved, all of a sudden rebuild and retool, restructure, and all of this. It's the connotation and the perception of the organization changes. We're seeing that um, in Brooklyn right now, where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving want out, and everybody's turning around saying that, well, the Nets are done. It's the biggest failure in in sports history. We saw it with the Raptors when Kawhi Leonard left. Oh well, this team is now going to be a young team and rebuilding. The Canucks players will see what happens with JT Miller. If they recoup young pieces for Miller um, and stuff that you know might be a bit of a project, then 
the psyche of those players will be like, well, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I want to win. I want to contend. I want to push for the playoffs. And you just trade our best player for, you know, a young player that could potentially be good in a couple of years. It's hard for players, especially entering their prime, to put that aside and want to push forward um, when the management kind of sells out on them. Now, I do believe if they do trade JT Miller, it's going to be for a deal that helps them in the future and now. But I'm just trying to explain the player's point of view where if they trade JT Miller, there might be a certain drop-off of energy because right now, all things are looking good. You got Kuzmenko. You got Besser under locks. You have a good coaching staff now uh, in place. And you want to proceed forward and say, hey, we have something special building here. Potentially, the playoffs are next. But if you move that piece, that integral piece of JT Miller for a package that you know doesn't wet the palate for these players, it could change the psyche of them. So that's where I think about that. I still think Miller does get dealt because they're probably going to get an offer from, uh, you know, a team in the East, especially that's desperate because the East is loaded. I don't see any team dropping off. I feel the East is going to be a dog fight to the finish once again. Any team that can get their hands on JT Miller to make them, that will make them immediately better. will give up something of a certain price. Now you have to do better than the Kevin Fiala deal because JT Miller is better than Kevin Fiala, not just this year, but he does more. JT Miller can play center. Yes, he's older than Fiala, but he can play center. He can kill penalties. He's got that great performer. Fiala has not been a playoff performer. So Fiala deal is the floor, I think, for uh, a JT Miller trade. It has to be above and beyond that because I think JT Miller has higher value. So we will see what transpires over the next couple of days. Potentially a trade could happen right now, could happen in the next couple of days, but we will see what happens. So coming up after the break, I'm going to discuss who the Canucks could look at um, for the 15th overall pick. Um, but first, I want to talk to you guys about our good friends at Built because they've done it again. For the people who invented Healthy and tasty comes the latest gift your, to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given you Coconut Brownie Chunk, the Puffs treatment. That's right. Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love. The deliciously creamy marshmallow covered 100% real chalk. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They're good for you too. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are here for a limited time. So go to built.com to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars have are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about built puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. And they're perfect treat for when you got a craving or you want to satisfy a sweet tooth or just a quick healthy snack. Delicious coconut, rich brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing about it. Get to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk puffs right now. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Once again, use promo code LOCKED15. So we are back. Locked on Canucks. NHL draft is this Thursday. The Canucks have the 15th overall pick. And what will the Canucks do? Yes, they could package JT Miller on the 15th overall pick for a bigger package. They could trade down. They could trade up. 
history says the Canucks will probably trade the pick, whether it's up or down, because the 15th overall pick has been traded the last couple of years. But if they decide to stick there, I said yesterday they could should take defenseman Owen Pickering, the six foot five defenseman who's mobile, uh, turnover prone, but has a lot of raw talent, but a very high ceiling. Today, we're going to look at a forward, a left winger, Liam Ogren from Sweden. Now, um, so look, the Canucks have Pedersen, Pod Coles, and Hoaglander is all full time managed challenge. They need some, you know, pipeline, especially if you lose JT Miller, another scoring punch, a young scoring punch. So Liam Ogren, a lot of projections say uh, right now he could probably slot into a, you know, a two-way bottom six winger. Uh, but, you know, he does have potential to be a top six winger. Uh, and the Canucks bottom six, of course, uh, needs all the help they can get with uh, anchors like Connor, Gar- not Connor, like Tanner Pearson, um, Jason Dickinson, um, and the list goes on. So, um, according to certain scouts, the Canucks are very interesting. They have, he's a power forward. He's hard. Power forwards are hard to develop these days. Um, and you can develop him. I think he's going to play more than 200 pounds, which will play a heavy game, a sandpaper game, hopefully, which uh, Jim Rutherford has talked about. You know, they've done, the Canucks have tapped the well in Sweden quite well. The, we all know the list of uh, Canucks picks in Sweden. So Ogren uh, could be very successful under the eyes of Henrik and Daniel Sedin, who are now part of player development, Michael Samuelson, Thomas Gredin. Um, his size, work ethic, and speed, uh, you know, definitely fit into a solid two-way game. Um, and it definitely fits into the modern NHL, given how uh, speed and puck possession are critical, critical aspects now um, to uh, be successful. So, you see my projection of these picks the Canucks should go for. It requires a skating ability and ability to work under puck possession and puck play. That is what the key is in the new NHL. I talked about it yesterday, and I'm going to talk about it again today. That's how you build a successful team. That's what made that 2011 team so great because it was ahead of its time. They were on puck. Now, they weren't the fastest. They didn't have the speed, but they played fast. If you know what I mean, the puck... The way they move the puck, the way they open up seams, the way they, you know, understood the game and saw how the game was transitioning, that's how the game is. You the, Right now, the Canucks can play run and gun, but there's no structure. You have to play a structured puck possession game and integrate speed into it. And I believe if the Canucks make a pick like Liam Olgren, he probably will make an immediate impact right away. But down the line, the Canucks are going to need to fill in their bottom six uh, players that you know can play service moments that can you know penalty kill occasionally power play the power play can you know chip in with you know 15 10 to 15 goals a year which do come in handy especially in the playoffs and teams that are going to want to contending because a guy like Liam Olgren if he can make an impact he's probably going to come at a cheaper rate than bringing in a free agent uh, or a trade asset that you're gonna have to resign because he's going to be homegrown so that's my takeaway on the Canucks draft pick again Thursday is the draft. Us at Lockdown, we have a bunch, a bunch of content coming up about the draft. So I will probably be live um, giving my immediate reaction to whatever the Canucks do, whether it's a trade, uh, a pick, a trade down, a trade up, JT Miller trade, whatever. You know I have it covered at Lockdown Canucks, and I will make sure you guys are all informed. Uh, But we have one more break, and after this break, we're going to dive into the captain, Bo Horvat, and his contract situation. So stick around for that. Welcome back to Locked On Canucks. We are going to talk about, last segment of the show, we're going to discuss Bo Horvat's extension 
and what it may look like. I've touched on this before, but now that the Brock Besser deal is done, I felt it was appropriate time to bring it up. Of course, over the weekend, the Canucks re-signed the restricted free agent winger, and now they've turned their focus on JT Miller. And But I think the next big extension, unless a Miller one gets done, is Bo Horvat, the captain um, who was taken ninth overall back in 2013, coming off a 31-goal season, um, and he played 70 games. Now, I love Bo Horvat. I think he's 27. He's been an exemplary soldier for the Canucks through thick and thin, a leader, um, a two-way player, plays a bull in a china shop, has never had the best line mates, and continues to make um, himself, continues to get better. Now, the Canucks don't want to screw themselves over with this deal and just get a deal just for the sake because he's the captain. They're going to play Rutherford and Alvin are smart, but not going to not re-sign their captain. I think the Ryan is kind of something appease Bo Horvath because it'll give him term and also give the Canucks financial flexibility. For example, if he signs your deal that the Canucks can sign him to, that'll take him to age 35. Now, be worth now. He might not be worth uh, whatever he's making at age 35, but if they can get the Horvat for you know six something, six point five or six for eight years, that's a very very good ticket because. I guarantee you this, if Bo Horvat hits unrestricted free agency next year as a true number two center or a borderline number one center, he's making over $7 million. So the Canucks have two ways to go about it. They can sign Horvat to a larger AAV on a shorter term deal or give him more term and drop the AAV, which you can't go wrong with either way for Horvat. I, if I'm Horvat, I take the security uh, just because you never know with injury, I'm going to take the security of potentially making, you know, six, 6.5. He still gets his raise um, that he does deserve on a longer term. Uh, he's not going to score 30 goals when he's 35, but I think the way Horvat is and how smart he is, he can transform his game, become a, you know, a solid third line center or, you know, a solid second line center that, you know, doesn't put up offensive abilities, but can still chip in on the offense side and play smart defense. Um, the cap will be in a different situation then too. So when you're analyzing, crystallizing this whole Horvat thing, again, two ideas. Either you give him a seven-year deal or seven or eight-year deal for lower AAV or you give him a shorter-term deal um, with higher AAV. And it just depends on how Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin go about it. Um, now, they do have a history of not extending players, you know, that full eight-year deal. So I'm interested to see how that dynamic plays out, but that deal will get done, I believe, before the season starts. I know Bo Horvath will be locked and loaded in Vancouver, signed, sealed, delivered before uh, the puck drops in October um, for the regular season. But also, I forgot to mention, the preseason schedule did get kicked off, which, of course, will be before the regular season, before um, and Bohor will be signed before the preseason, before training camp. So uh, quickly, in case you missed it, the Canucks uh, will play seven preseason games, including four at Rogers Arena. Um, three of them will be, excuse me, four home games. Three will be at Rogers Arena. One uh, will be in Abbotsford, the home of the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, so it goes September 25th, split squad game against Calgary. Uh, the 29th, 
against Seattle, the first against Seattle, the third against Edmonton, the fifth at home against Edmonton in Abbotsford, and then at Arizona, then against Arizona. And then, of course, the season starts October 13th. So hockey season is right around the corner. Training camp is coming around. The draft is around. I want to thank you all for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. Tomorrow on Wednesday's episode, we will have more pre-draft news, maybe a trade, maybe whatever. Uh, So stick around for that for tomorrow. Now, I want you to make Locked On Canucks your second listen of the day. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts Every Monday through Friday, it's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Take care, guys. Stay safe. And I will talk to you tomorrow.